Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. This sermon is from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. This has been a great series, hey, on the Olympics. It's been a, a wonderful time. And uh, from my perspective, it's also been a joy to see how many people have been involved. So thank you to the teams. It was great to honor the, the various team leaders, and thank you so much. But it was a great opportunity for a whole lot of people to get involved in a whole lot of new way. I feel like this is a biblical kind of preach. I'm preaching to the people in the next room as well. Um, it was, it's been a great time. So if, if you've had an opportunity to get involved, thank you again to the decor team. I actually think that uh, everybody has done a stunning, stunning job. If you don't know, the, uh, the Kids City has also, and I'm pointing there because Kids City is meeting down under the stage, have also done, uh, been following the same theme. So thank you to the, those who've, who've been part of that as well. It's been a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Again, it's uh, just a, a reminder that the, the, the written and the spoken content is available from our, from our website. And we're, we're punting this because we're wanting more and more for that to be the, the hub of our communication. You can listen to the service again, or if you missed, the, uh, missed all the church news, you can go there and hear the church news again. So, yeah, but lest I uh, belabor the point. Did you know, interesting fact, I once almost went to the Olympics. No, not as a spectator. I mean, as an actual competitor, <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, I was, uh, I was interested in fencing. No, that is not a sport where you erect uh, wood to separate one property from another. That is what they call um, the sport that's come out of sword fighting, and uh, I was at a, a place where the the Lord had been speaking to me about my future, and I had just stepped out of the, the sport that I'd been doing, and I had this opportunity to connect with uh, a, whole lot of, a whole lot of fences. And we got together, and they said, oh, you need to be part of, uh, you need to be part of what we're doing, because we've just got a new Olympic coach, and I uh, think that you would be an amazing asset to the team. What it did, actually, was it crystallized, it clarified what God had been speaking to me. And um, seeing as none of you saw me at the Olympics, and it wasn't because you blinked at that moment, uh, it was because I heard the Lord's voice for the future that he had for me. So, sadly, I didn't quite make it. But the scripture is actually full of images around sport, and one of the the big things in the times that especially the New Testament was written in was sport and the precursor to what we now call the Olympics and Olympic sports, lots of athletics, a lot of javelin throwing, and no, they weren't throwing it at people at those times, they were throwing it at targets, and 
and these kinds, and they, they competed super intentionally for a prize. And that prize, particularly under the Romans, was a, uh, a laurel wreath. If you, know, if you don't know what that is, it's, it's like you go outside and you find some laurel, which looks a little, little bit like um, ivy, and you plant it together into a ring. So they literally spent hours and hours and exhausted themselves in preparing for this prize. And Paul picks up on that at one stage and talks about, well, we'll get there. We will get there. But actually this idea of the prize or rewards is something that the scripture has a lot to say about. In 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12, the, um, the scripture talks about and how we build with, with stuff and we will receive a reward. The idea of rewards and inheritances in the scripture kind of overlaps. The, it, in English grammar, it's very bad to mix your metaphors. Unfortunately, Paul hadn't, uh, hadn't read those grammars and didn't speak English. So he loves to mix up his metaphors. And sometimes it, it's quite a roller coaster when he changes from one set of word pictures to another. But these ideas of the, the, the prize in sport and uh, an inheritance have significant overlap as they're used in the scripture. And here he talks about building with different kinds of, of um, here in 1 Corinthians 3, different kinds of materials. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones on the other side. And that how we've built will be tested and we will receive a reward as a result of it. These images crop up all over. It's awkward for many of us to think about our faith in the context of a prize or a reward. So first of all, let's remember these are images trying to, or word pictures, metaphors, trying to describe, trying to picture what God is trying to say. They, it's an eternal truth that somehow we need to try and understand. And so they, uh, the, the, the authors of the scripture use these different uh, pictures to try and give us an idea. And like I say, even though it isn't, comfortable to talk about or to think about uh, our faith in, the, in terms of a prize or in, in terms of rewards, the scriptures do talk about it that way. Oh, does that mean my faith is based on performance? Have you gone into works doctrine heresy, if you know what those things are? No, I haven't. I'm simply declaring to you the whole counsel of God. It's the flip side of the coin of grace. We receive Jesus by faith. There is nothing we can do to earn or manipulate the Lord to grant us this incredible gift of salvation. It's only by faith. But the reality of that produces in us fruit. And the fruit testifies, see another, another metaphor, the fruit testifies in us the reality of our faith. But I'm jumping ahead of myself. For many of us, when we heard the gospel and responded, 
It was because of the hope of eternal salvation. And that's not a bad, it's not a bad thing in itself because that is the ultimate prize. Paul puts it this way in Philippians 3 verse 14. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is the ultimate finish line. Is moving into the very presence of God. There are several aspects of that. The one that we tend to get hung up on is death. But it is a, tran- a transition. It is a, um, as my wife likes to call it, a graduation. It is a finishing of the race. Does that mean that this life is, is just a game? No, we're not playing now. Even though that is a valid and a useful metaphor, word picture, our idea of, oh, we're just playing life, tends to say, well, stop playing life and get on with reality. <laughs> I've certainly been, been told that when I've uh, spoken to a few people. What do you do? You know how you strike a, up a conversation with someone, particularly if you're a guy, usually fairly quickly in the conversation, it's about, okay, so what do you do? Or where are you studying? Or whatever, whatever it may be. But often, what do you do? And um, it ha- I have had it that when I share with people, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor. That's the language that's most familiar to them. I don't particularly like that label. Uh, because it's a gift ministry of Jesus. Don't get me sidetracked onto this. It was all your fault. You got me sidetracked onto this. No, not really. Um, but it's a, that's a label that, that people can relate to. They understand. It has happened to me that uh, people have asked, so when are you going to get a real job? <laughs> because pastors play golf all week, well, if they're lucky, and uh, work for a couple of hours maybe on a Sunday morning. Because we just stand up ad lib and uh, talk about whatever we want, random thoughts. So, but when you do have those conversations with people, it does quickly get there. And this idea of living, doing business, that's, that's real life. We should be giving ourselves wholeheartedly um, to the things that God has called us to. And he has called Many, most of us, to business. Do you have a sense of the calling to run the race that God has given you in business? Because if you don't, you won't be running intentionally. And we have to run intentionally in order to run in such a way as to win the prize. But I'm getting ahead of myself. He call, uh, Paul, in Philippians 3, he talks about pressing on towards the goal. What's the goal? It's the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is the ultimate security that we have that God is able to bring us through. So the ultimate prize is God bringing us through to a place of ultimate safety. Did I? Um, can, can we have the previous slide? because I wrote down a whole lot of scriptures. I did. I wonder if this really is Joshua 13.3. Let's see what it says. That'll be interesting. So what is this ultimate prize? It's it's not Joshua. It's John 13.3. Sorry about that. The ultimate prize is being 
with Jesus. I know why I write down Joshua 13.3. Because in Joshua 13.3, it says that the Lord's people are the Lord's inheritance. And that the Lord himself is their inheritance. The ultimate prize is being with God face to face. Now, if you don't know who he is, if your only idea of, uh, of faith is religion or religious, then that sounds like a prize to be avoided. But if you have had a genuine experience and a personal meeting with him, that is an incredible prize. And people don't just get involved in sports because of the prize. I know we have a society that is obsessed um, with, with financial gain. So most of the, the uh, most sports have a financial benefit to them. It's certainly the basis of what's now called e-sport. Do you know that it is an officially recognized thing that uh, what those of us who are a little bit older like to call playing games on computers is now officially recognized as e-sport and there are big financial prizes uh, for it. But prizes are not just about financial gain and we don't get involved in a particular sport because of the prize. The prize is kind of a, a bonus to that. And like I said earlier, the, um, in, in ancient times, in the times of the New Testament, especially, the prize was something almost insignificant, a laurel wreath. It was who it was awarded by that was important. It was usually awarded by the most important, often by Caesar. Our ultimate prize is to stand before God, to be crowned by him, and to give him back the glory that he deserves. So that's why the Joshua 13 is in there. The Lord is our inheritance. If you look at the, the book of Revelation, you can also see some of what uh, our salvation means part of our ultimate prize. It means there'll be no more sin, no more sickness, and no more sadness. Revelation 22.3 and 21.4 talk about that. Yo, wouldn't it be amazing to be living in a place where there is no physical degradation and you can't just make a complete idiot of yourself because of sin? Or destroy accidentally someone else's life? Or even worse, intentionally so there is no there would be will be no fear in our communication and we will always look our best <laughs> if you start to get a little bit older then these realities become increasingly reality we will always look why because that part of the prize, part of the ultimate reward. There's one thing that we don't often talk about in terms of this ultimate prize, and that's we will continue to have purpose. Revelation 1 verse 6 talks about, and the, the scriptures for these are quite hard to, of this particular aspect, are quite hard to, uh, to pin down because it's all pervasive. And yet it's not spelt out anywhere specifically. We will continue to have purpose. And our purpose will not be to sing la la songs 
to Jesus in some ooey-gooey top 20 head parade uh, Springbok radio type scenario, our purpose will be way more than that. What did God do with Adam and Eve before they sinned? He put them in the garden to, have you, have you read it? To tend it. There was purpose in what God did. There is purpose in the eternal prize of God. I, I hate to, sh- to share this with you or burst this bubble for you. If you read Revelation, especially 21 and 22, where is the eternal state? It's not as a semi-cumulus nimbus. It's not floating around somewhere in the ether. The eternal state is on a new he- in a new heaven and on a new earth. It will be God's ultimate purpose fulfilled in uh, that, that he pictured in micro in the Garden of Eden. Okay, I'm going to stop there because I can get super, super. But there is an eternal price that gives us hope. One of the interesting things looking at the scriptures around this is how unbelievably vague they are. I've given you a three-minute precy of some of the specific things that the scripture talks about. One of the reasons for that I believe, is because it's hard to pin down just how good it's going to be. If you, if you uh, know of or have ever heard any of the Negro spirituals, many, if not all of them, are talking about the sweet by and by. Even that phrase comes from there. Why? Because life sucked for them. And their hope was in the eternal prize. So having a hope in this eternal prize is not a bad thing. Though if it is our only aspiration, we tend to do what happened apparently in Thessalonica. You know the book of Thessalonians where Paul talks about if a person won't eat, if a person won't work, they shouldn't eat. We don't want to get lazy. Why? Because the prize is not about the sweet, not just about the sweet by and by. It's about the now. So thank you. Now you can flip over. We need to play to win. If our ultimate goal is victory in Jesus in eternity, it's not going to be a passive thing. And if God has called us to purpose, from purpose, with his own purpose, there might be a purpose in the present life for you and me. And if that's true, we need to play according to his purpose. And his purpose is that we play to win. How can I say that? Well, we're going to look at another, we're going to read that scripture again from uh, Philippians 3. But God is a winner. When was the last time you heard God losing? Look, if you read the papers, it's possible to spin some of the stuff that we see as God losing. And that is a massive advantage that we have as believers, is understanding the nature of God, that he is able to bring good 
out of our failures that cause um, different paths to his victory. And that's not me putting a spin on it. That's the testimony of Romans 8, that God is able to work all things together for good. So what does Paul say in in Philippians 3.14 again? I press on towards the goal. I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. I'm not running aimlessly. I don't care about missing uh, missing the prize because I think I'm, I'm second best. I'm only half good enough. I'm not qualified. Whatever our excuses. Paul says, I, who am the chief of sinners, who was persecuting the church, that's his... Um, That's his his half phrase. I, who murdered the first martyr of the church, was standing by and giving, I am running intentionally, not worrying about how I tried to disqualify myself, but running intentionally to win because God has made me a winner. I will play to win. We're not to be pushovers as Christians. We're not to be doormats. We're not to be mealy-mouthed. We need to remember, though, who we're running against. Who is it that we are to beat? So easily, we end up competing with one another. Fellow believers who are also running their race. When I was praying about this, I had this mental picture. I I believe God puts us in a lane, and we are to run in our own lane. But the mental picture I had was not of a 400-meter oval track where all the lanes run next to one another. The picture I had in my mind was of these lanes running for a short while together and then wildly diverging. You know what I mean by that? One staying in the stadium, another running out of the stadium. It's interesting. It's like when you watch the comrades, that that, uh, the ending as they come into the stadium and they run. It's like, why? I've just run 92 kilometers or whatever it is. Now I've got to run round a track in a stadium. That's always been a doesn't compute to me. But the picture that I had was of these lanes running. And we want to run, so often we want to run in somebody else's lane. Oh Lord, that lane looks good. Yeah, mine look good there. But just round the corner, their lane goes straight up a cliff. God gives us grace and trains and equips and blesses us for running the race in our lane. Stop worrying about somebody, how somebody else is running their way. Stop worrying about the fact that where your lane is right now looks a whole lot worse or a whole lot better than somebody else's. And run in your own lane. Run as Wanting to win. The one that you're competing against is not the brother and sister sitting next to you. Is not, is not some other believer on the other side of the world. Someone who worships in a different language or looks like they're worshiping Jesus differently to you. Run in your own lane with perseverance and run to win. We need to run with purpose and intent, we need to, to, um, to compete for the prize with purpose and intent. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24, 
to 26. Do you not know that those who run in the stadium all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes exercises self-control in all things. In other words, they prepare diet, exercise routines and plans and intentionality in preparation before they run the race. Thus, those do so in order that they may receive a perishable crown. But we, an imperishable one, that's that ultimate prize. Therefore, I run in this way, not as running aimlessly, not as one running in somebody else's name, lane, not as one ignoring the lane altogether and just doing my own thing. This is one of the, I think, the most offensive parts of being a Christian today. I lose my autonomy. Modern Western culture elevates my personal autonomy, my personal uh, rights to divine status. God has put me in a lane and has told me to run it. That is the ultimate no-no. He doesn't enter into um, speculation about it. He doesn't change his mind about it. Look, part of the reason for that is because he knows the ultimate good because he is the ultimate good. But to be happy in Jesus, or to put it in Paul's language, is to live godliness with contentment is great gain. Why is it great gain? Because even Paul had to learn to submit his own will, his own purposes, his own plans to the lane that God had given him to run in. I'm at that place in Acts 22 and 23 where Paul is on his way finally for the last time to Jerusalem. And all the way along there, he's receiving prophetic words. Don't go to Jerusalem. You're going to be uh, bound and, and handed over to, to the nations. And everywhere where he hears these prophetic words, he says, stop, make, stop making me want to burst into tears. I know that's coming for me. This is part of my lane. Oh, but Paul, how can it possibly be your lane? I don't know. But it's the lane that God has put me in. As Nadine shared uh, two weeks ago, even Jesus running in his own lane, when it came to the Garden of Gethsemane, said to the Father, please change your plan. I don't want to do this. But that's not the end of the story. He also said, yet... Not my will, but yours be done. To win the prize, we have to be prepared to submit ourselves to Jesus. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. We cannot win the prize unless, and, and live in victory in this life, unless we are prepared to lay our own lives down. One of the things I think we, we, we battle with as uh, believers is that we don't 
in reality believe that God is really as good as the Scripture says he is. Now, before you all start fighting with me about that, let me try and explain why I'm saying that and what it means. Why am I saying that? Because if we really believed that God was as good as he said, we would be prepared when God says jump, to jump without asking any questions first. Because we would believe that he absolutely has our best interests at heart. And I'm starting here with us. Ultimately, it's not about us. It's about his purpose and his plan. We love to talk about the plan God has for, for my life, my calling, and that's not wrong. But my calling is about his purpose and his plan. The prize I receive when I've run the race his way is his blessing and is part of his plan for me. And that's because of his goodness. So why do we, why do we struggle to, to really trust God at that level? Yes, we've had a lot of bad experience because of sin. Sin has taught us that not everybody, in fact, pretty much nobody else that we've had exposure to really ultimately has the ultimate good as their ultimate motivation. And so it's unprecedented. We have no experience of, of that reality. But there's one other thing that, that, that I like to, to highlight just at this moment. Jesus puts it this way in Luke 7, 47. For this reason, I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. I, I think that this scripture was at the heart of why in uh, the great revivals of 100, 200 years ago, there was such an emphasis on repentance. Because when we see and recognize truly our lostness without Jesus we see and recognize the depth of the love that God has for us. John 3.16, which I'm pretty certain everybody here could recite by, by heart. See the manner of love that God has given to us. And then in 1 John, he uses the word that has lavished upon us, but we don't see. We see in part. Paul uh, allows us that in 1 Corinthians 13. We, are, we do only sin, but so it's, it's not sin. But when we recognize how God has lavished his, the extent to which he went to show us his love, when we recognize that, it overwhelms us. And that overwhelming is not just an emotional thing, because even here when Jesus is saying he is forgiven much, loves much. When we think about forgiveness we, uh, and, and asking for forgiveness, even from the Lord, we think of tears and emotional experience, and yes, it is. But if it doesn't translate into a change of attitude, a fundamental change of perspective, then how real was it? 
Was it just an emotional experience? My own testimony when I came to know Christ, I, uh, I can echo the title of one of C.S. Lewis's books, Surprised by Joy. I was truly surprised by the gospel when I first heard it and responded to it. And the fruit of that surprised me even more. The fruit of that, I didn't even recognize it was others who saw. When I went back to boarding school, I still remember being stopped in one of the passages by one of the senior teachers and asked, what happened to you these holidays? And like the glorious uh, noob that I was, just blurting out, oh, sir, I found Jesus. Oh, religious freak. That's the prejudice. The reality was I was changed. I was radically, that wasn't my purpose, but that was part of the prize for which I was now running my lane in, running in my lane. So as you take spiritual stock of your life, I encourage you as you look to do the preparation that's necessary to win the prize prize that God has laid before each and every one of us. Take stock of this. Have I truly appreciated the extent to which God was prepared to go that I could hear the gospel and that I could receive Jesus as Lord? Because even if right now we understand in reality that we don't love him like he deserves to be loved, he can change that. He can bring that conversion, that renewal in us that enables his testimony of us to be, they love much because they've been forgiven much. And we as believers are characterized by the love of God in us. So, where are you at? Are you just treading water? And, and that's a real position for us right now. I think a lot of people have got back to it's too much change. We're change weary. Too much change. Where are you at? You're just treading water. When I, when I came to know Jesus, that was the way that what the teacher, the teacher what the scripture teaches about the end times was taught. Hey, you just got to hang on for Jesus to come back. No, what's taught is put there to give us the courage and strength to run the race now. So if you're treading water, God has something better for you. And it's possibly because you haven't understood the fullness of the grace of God yet adequately. It's not that you don't necessarily know him, but there's so much more that you need to know to be able to live happy in him. If you just put your head down and you're pushing through, grin and bear it. That's how some of us handle these things. But if that's the reality of your spiritual life, there is more. You're not living purposefully. God wants to fill your heart, life, and mind with purpose. You actually given up hope that there is anything better for you in this life. Well, you're breathing. If you're breathing, God's got more for you. 
Maybe you don't believe that God has made you a winner. God, don't make no rubbish. I grew up hearing that. It's profoundly true. It's like Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. Profound truth. But do we believe it? God has made you a winner. But if you don't believe you are, then you'll live like you aren't. He's chosen you. There were some great comments earlier on about teams and the fact that God has called us to be part of his team. I think it was prayed in the pre-service prayer meeting. God has called us to be part of his team. That is an awesome, awesome, awesome truth. You think God made a mistake? I watched the rugby yesterday. Sorry, I know I'm into rugby. Forgive me. Uh, and it always interests me in that last 20 minutes when the, the, the flood of substitutes come on. Who, who comes on? <laughs> and uh, if, you, if you muck up your substitutions, you can literally lose the game. It's that important. And there are people who are part of that team who will always start on the bench. That's not because they're second rate. It's because their lane says, I'm there for the last 20 minutes. It was a, it was a profound thought to me anyway. Are you running so that you can come in second? You know, if you're in a boxing match and you're happy to come in second, that's probably not a great place to be at. <laughs> you know, when we think of races, oh, it's fine, I came in second, I got it. No, this is where God has purposed you to be. On the gold podium. Number one. You, yes, you. God has called you to be a winner, not to come in second. So stop speaking to yourself like you're second rate, like you're not a winner, like you've just got to pass the time until things come right. And start speaking to yourself what God says over you. He's put you in a lane. He's given you everything you need. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily easy. But he's put you in a lane because he knows that is the lane that will fulfill his purpose and calling for your life to fulfill his purpose, his eternal purpose and calling for eternity. So when it's tough to speak to that person and tell them that you believe in Jesus, remember you're running a race. Remember that it's Jesus who's put you in this lane. By not running and by not, uh, not boxing as if you're boxing a real, uh, real opponent. Okay, I'll have other opportunities. By the grace of God, you will. But you are playing with other people's eternal dest destiny. So, you are a winner, but you've still got to run the race. Run the race. Run the race, oh dear. Run the race as a winner in order to be able to get the prize. So can I ask you to stand? I'm really feeling that the Lord wants to minister deeply to some of us.
this morning. So forgive me, I'm just a little bit over, but I really believe God wants to do business. If you're watching this uh, online, close your eyes, do business with God. But let's close our eyes here now. As I, I, I just want to pray for us to lead us into what the place that God wants us to be at so that he can do what he needs to do with us. Lord Jesus, I thank you as we look at your life, the life of a winner. It flies in the face of some of our intuition about what it means to be a winner. As we read through Hebrews 11, at those winners, some of them, many of them also, fly in the face, yet they ran in their lane, the lane that you had given them, so first of all, Father, right now, we don't necessarily understand it, but we commit and recommit ourselves to running in the lane that you have put us in. Father, if we have stepped into somebody else's lane, if we're interfering with them, if we're trying to fulfill somebody else's call on our lives, we repent right now. Lord, we still gotta work, walk it out, but we say, we're stopping that. Lord, won't you help us to have the courage to walk out this commitment? To stop continuing to do things the way we have, the bad things, the way we have been doing them. And to accept the lane that you've put us in. I had a real sense that the Lord the Lord wants to speak to a number of you and declare personally over you, you are my winner. Now, run the race that I've put you in as a winner. Stop making excuses. Oh Lord, I can't speak. Oh Lord, I'm too young. These are, these are excuses that we read of in the scripture. I'm sure you've got your own version. Hear the Lord's voice saying, I have rebirthed you as a winner. You're part of my family. You're my son, my daughter. Therefore, you are a winner. You have the spiritual DNA to win the prize for which I'm calling you heavenward, to live as a winner right now. So when you cross the finish line, it just surprises you how natural it is. The Lord declares over you, you're a winner. He wants to walk with you today and for the rest of your life, reminding you that you're his first choice and that he has put you in your unique lane. You are a winner. Now run to receive the prize. So Lord, we commit ourselves into your hands. Faithful Father, you're able to do this in me because I'm not able to do it on my own, but you in me is the winning combination. So Lord, we recommit ourselves to you. Won't you take us this week and make us your hands and feet? May we run our own, the hands and feet of Jesus, may we run in our own lane for your glory and rejoice as we hear and see our brothers and sisters running in their lanes. So we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. If you want to connect with us further, log on to our website, venturechurch.co.za or connect with us on our various social pages, Instagram and Facebook.